on another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation, we're asking and answering the question, what if, this time it's what if T'Challa had been abducted by the Ravagers instead of Peter Quill? We're going to get right into that, right after these ads we have no control over. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. 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 Welcome back, folks. This is Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair. I am pondering the question, what if? And joining me to do so, I've got my co-host, Suhair Ali. And joining us for the second time this week is the esteemed Haley Hobbs from Spark, Source Pages, a reading collective. Welcome back, Haley. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad that a Ravager never flies solo. We get to do this ah, together. I like it. That's why, that's why we have you here. <laughs> I finally stopped crying after this episode. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This was a tough one. Yeah. It was. It was. And I'm attempted to give my line, let's not bury the lead. Let's just get right into it. But unfortunately, well, I won't say unfortunately. This is fortunate because I put the call out there. I wanted feedback. And by. You were fed. I was fed. We've got feedback. My back has been fed. We're fed back. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Please don't turn us off. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're having fun already. Uh, Andre Sparks. Andre Sparks hit us with some feedback regarding our episode one coverage of what if Peggy Carter became Captain Carter? So. Zuhair, you got that for us? Yeah, he asked us a pretty interesting question after telling us he enjoyed the podcast, of course. Why wouldn't he? Yes. He said, (laughs) who will be the founder of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this universe? Peggy was gone, and I don't know if Tommy Lee Jones' character made it. I'm guessing it would be Steve. Thoughts? Tommy Lee Jones' character did not make it, as you guys pointed out on your last cast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't catch, so I super appreciated that. It really is a blink and you'll miss it moment. So like kudos to, to Andrew, Andrew Rogers, who appeared on our coverage last week. Yeah. For pointing that out. But it was you, if you pause it at that moment, right when Peggy's screaming, no, it, it is for sure. Tommy Lee Jones rendered in this cell shaded style. So, and what was that character's name again? Sergeant or Colonel. Colonel Chester Chester Phillips. Chester Phillips. Phillips. There we go. That's right. There we go. I guess my first thought is Howard. Mm. I can see Howard and Steve doing it, especially like I know that's a it's not too far off of the 
moral standpoint of the Steve Rogers we know. Sure. And I feel like him wanting an organization that can act without, you know, government interference would still be an active thing of his. That's something he appreciated about the Avengers. That's why he left shield. So I could see him and Howard, who also is a free soul, just wanting to do things on their own. But wouldn't, I mean, there's no reason Peggy couldn't still be one of the founding members. Yeah. I don't see why not. What a figurehead for your organization. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, much, much like Captain America left his legacy there. I guess the only problem I see with that is the fact that she's just not there because she's, lost to the multiversal oh. portal yeah <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> i was like why are they um, looking at me so strangely <laughs> no you're good you're good i guess it's the... kind of a stretch but sure i guess it's a possibility I forgot a major point of the episode <laughs> oh, what a failure uh, no no not at all not at all um yeah, I could see Steve and uh, Howard putting that team together. Yeah, I guess the the other person that potentially comes to mind too is maybe Bucky. He's very charismatic and um, has a way with people and seems to be able to win friends. I could see him being, you know, a good figurehead for. And he's a soldier too. He wants to fight the good fight, so he's got that altruistic nature. I could see him potentially. Uh... Steve would probably talk him into doing yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, the more I the more I kind of explored, I think Bucky's kind of the answer here. Yeah. Bucky in unison with Stephen Howard. He'd probably be their main operative too. Yeah, yeah, I like it. He would be the he'd be the Black Widow of like the early Shield days. Oh, true. He'd be the the recon guy. He'd be the Winter Soldier, but for the good guys. He just has like the American flag on his arm. <laughs> the summer soldier. There we go. Yeah. I I, I, yeah. I like <laughs> so it. Stupid. I like it. The summer soldier. No, I like it. Well, hopefully we have adequately answered that question for Andre. Andre, who would you suggest Helm shield in Peggy's absence? That's my question to you and all our other listeners out there. Great question. Let us know what you're thinking. That'd be cool if Alexander Pierce like never became uh the head of Hydra, and it actually just was Steve Rogers, or the head of Shield, undercovers Hydra. Mm-hmm. So that what just like Hydra never infected Shield at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where would that put Nick Fury? Would he still be the trusted confidant yeah, he would within the organization? Under okay. Because okay. he didn't have that interaction with Pierce, where we got in Winter Soldier, where he effectively saved Pierce and, and became his like go-to guy. Yeah. yeah. Interesting things to explore. We're being regular Awatus here pondering what if, but yeah. <laughs> we're talking about, you know, this feedback anyway, we're talking about episode one before we, we go right into episode two. Haley, why don't you tell me what your impressions of the debut of what if were? I was really excited for it because I've gotten more into animation lately. Like I've talked with you guys separately about, um, I enjoyed the Captain Carter episode a lot. It was fun. It made me laugh a lot. It felt very, um, it wasn't too heavy. (laughs) Like sometimes animation that can feel like it's geared towards adults can be. It was just, it was just fun. It was just an exploration of what if this one small thing had happened. And so I enjoyed it. I 
I know some people felt like it was just a recreation of the Captain America story. And I'm like, well, that was kind of the point. (laughs) But it had so many different quirks and so many different twists and turns than that one. Um, You guys and Andrew, you did a great job breaking it down, I thought. So I loved it. I loved this next one even more. And so I'm super excited. I think it's going to just build and build and build. Yes, agreed. And And that was the main reason I asked that question is because I agree with you wholeheartedly. As much as I like that first episode, this episode, episode two, really, really impressed me. It took that question, what if, and it ran with it. We got to see all, all of the effects of, of asking that simple question, what lasting effects it has on so many different members of the galaxy. So, uh, Zuhair, how about yourself? How are you feeling about episode two? I absolutely loved it. I don't think it's any surprise that T'Challa has been one of my favorite characters since his debut. I loved him in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and I was ecstatic to see him in Civil War, and he's been my favorite since then. What? Oh, just Earth's Mightiest Heroes, another show we will cover on this show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it's so good. Internal plug. Yeah, like the there's there's one scene in that show where he's just like spying on Avengers Mansion for like oh, two yeah. weeks and nobody ever noticed. And then he kicks like all the Avengers asses right. on his own just to see if they were like worthy enough to work with him. And I was like, this guy's a beast. <laughs> so yeah, that's where my love for him started. Uh, obviously, Chadwick Boseman did an amazing job mm-hmm. portraying him. Rest in peace. And Guardians of the Galaxy was one of those things that I just wasn't sure about the first time I saw a trailer mm. for it. And it, the, the what if really threw me off. It like the, the, the perspective was cool. It's like, okay, what if he got picked up instead of Peter Quill, but there was so many shifts in what we expected of characters and what we know of characters. And they got really creative with the story and gave a lot of different personalities of kind of like what they could have been and like and a real parallel universe. Like, Captain Carter was just kind of like, what if this one event changed? Like, yes, there was a lot of similarities, but we just kind of got to see more of like what we already knew of those characters where it's like, this is like a total like flip personality of a lot of these characters that we got to see, especially Thanos. Like I shrieked when he came with us. Like, oh my God, Thanos is here. I loved it. Yeah. Like I was genuinely concerned. Like what is about to happen? Like, Oh, he's a, he's a ravager. Hey, Thanos a ravager. Uh, so I absolutely loved it. They got super creative. There was just like no mental boundaries whatsoever. When they came up with this episode, like agreed. If, if there was a grade, I could give higher than a plus. This would definitely get it. And I didn't see the clunky issue that I had with the, uh, with the last episode. Okay. So, that's good, good. Good. Yeah. I, I did try to pick up on that a little bit when I went back and watched that first episode and I'm still not, still not a hundred percent sure what you were referring to. So you'll have to point it out to me, but I believe you. Um, Maybe I was just high off sleep deprivation when I saw it. <laughs> You'd be low on, but I didn't have any issues. <laughs> I, again, I, it might've been something that was like an intentional effect and maybe that's why it just didn't stick out to me as like a, a negative, but, um, that's neither here nor there. Like I said, Bad Batch has just set such a high standard for me that, like, whenever Disney makes anything else animated, now I'm looking at it very carefully. Yeah, yeah. And Haley brought up the point that, yeah, while Captain Carter was very much 
the first Avenger just recontextualized. This episode did a good job of making you think that we were going to get Guardians of the Galaxy again in just a, a, the same kind of fashion, just seeing T'Challa in the proceedings as well, because we got that opening on Morag and it all looks just, I mean, obviously he's not dancing or soltering up to the, uh, to the orb, but then right off the bat, his first exchange with Korath. And like, I, I feel like I, uh, I appeared on the, the instant reaction with Matthew Carroll of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And I feel like we just did not give justice to the character of Korath. He is absolutely hysterical from the first time he opens his mouth. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> just like you're star lord the legendary outlaw <laughs> let's kneel should we kneel should we be bowing <laughs> so cute he's so fanboy <laughs> such a beautiful one uh do we have any john wick fans here people keep asking if i'm back yeah i'm thinking i'm back does that answer your question yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wondering if you've seen the third one, but I'm just going to oh, say yeah. yes at this point. I've seen. Uh, but Paramount. for the for the fans of um, for the fans of John Wick, the scene that reminded me of was of of course the two Filipino warriors towards the ends when he's working his way up the building, mm. and like they were squaring down. And every time they knocked John down, they'd be like, "We are a big fan of yours, Mister Wick." And they would like start kicking each other's ass exactly. again. <laughs> My favorite. Like they're actually going for these kill shots and stuff, and every time like John goes down because he's already like beat to shreds by the time he got to this point. Yeah. Um, but like every time he got knocked out, it just been like picking him up. He's like, "Oh, thank you so much." Just kick his ass again, <laughs> pick him back up. You guys do amazing. Thank you. It really reminded me of that when I was watching this episode. I love when he points like Korath points the gun at T'Challa, and he kind of gives him a look. He's like, "Oh, should I not use the gun?" He's like, "No, it's fine." <laughs> it's so funny. Like, <laughs> Please use the gun. He's like, like are you indulging ready him so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. He doesn't even have the powers of the Black Panther. I don't believe so. It doesn't he's, appear that he's way. Just, he's just a badass warrior. Although that's something yeah. I don't feel like was explained, and maybe I missed it, but where did he get his vibranium claw necklace? What Did he have it on when he was a kid? That was given him as a kid, yeah. Okay, I that part was like, Flipped out of my mind then his necklace was the equivalent of peter quill's headphones right. and gotcha um, okay that wasn't super clear player. to me i wasn't paying yeah. close enough attention i guess yeah. <laughs> there was there was a bit of dialogue but i can't remember the words so i'm not going to try to quote it Thanks. was it in that was it in that that scene i mean it obviously had to be between that scene with t'chaka and t'challa where again i keep calling it the lion king scene where it's like that's stuff beyond there. That's not your territory. No, no, it was either it was either Nebula or Yondu. Oh, okay, okay. It was a it was something along the lines of like, oh, he keeps it close to oh, the escape is close to his chest, but he says something else too. Mm. There was another dialogue insinuating that like that was the only thing that he had with him. I think it was the exchange with Nebula. Now that you bring it up, because that's when he tells her that he was led to believe that his the Wakanda was wiped out by war, and. Yeah, yeah, and he was kind of like tapping onto his necklace, like while they were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't think there's any because in Wakanda there's a Black Panther and then there's a king, and you can be both. Sure. But I think at this point, or at the earlier point in time before he got abducted, King T'Chaka was Black Panther at that point because he was wearing the garment, he was wearing the mm -hmm. sash, right. Um, like how he was in the Black Panther movie when they had the 1990s flashback. Um, 
So yeah, I I think he doesn't have the the powers of the Black Panther, but because he was trained as a warrior at such a young age, you see him practicing with his spear as a javelin. Uh, you know that he's capable of fighting and then being trained under Ravagers on top of that. It was, oh, it was, it was just so amazing to see how capable he was, even without powers. Which we got to see a lot in Black Panther as mm-hmm. well, because they had to fight for the title of king without the powers. But but seeing it in a whole other setting of like how amazing T'Challa is as a person and how how capable he is was just man so good it was so good yeah yeah capable is a good word and i think it's his his capability and his good nature and his ability to bring out the best in everyone that really does make him the the soul of the ship as as yondu refers to him as and such an appropriate role uh for t'challa and especially for for chadwick boseman i like the moment after he knocks Korath out and then he takes him to be part of the crew um, and Yondu shows up. One of the changes that's almost imperceptible, I saw it on my second watch, is that he gives Yondu the power orb, which he doesn't do in Guardians of the Galaxy. Star-Lord hides it from him. He switches it at the end. So that was not something I caught the first time. I was like, oh, that's a what if, because that didn't happen that way in the sacred timeline. Right. They right. wanted to eat you. They ain't never had Terran before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm really happy I watched Guardians of the Galaxy before this episode came out. Oh yeah. Like the night before I was watching Guardians. Did you watch just the first one or did you watch one and two? Uh the first one, just while I was working in anticipation of this. Okay. Okay. And then Disney Plus stopped working halfway through. Okay. Because this one did have some nice uh seeds to Guardians too, I felt as well. Has seeds. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even. That wasn't even intentional. Okay. <laughs> um, obviously, the scene that you're alluding to, where we get to see what happens to Peter Quill when he's left in Missouri, uh, and Ego comes to collect him. But the other scene that I was, or just the inclusion of the character of Taserface, because uh, he wasn't around in the first. <laughs> <laughs> Your name's Taserface. <laughs> when the gold lady just starts laughing at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also felt like the first time we got like the reveal of T'Challa walking with the Ravagers, like right before we got that introduction um, of Thanos, when he was walking down the steps and you kind of had the snowfall. I think that was the same planet that all the Ravagers were kind of commiserating on in, in Guardians 2, where oh, um, Yondu yeah. got kind of, yeah, where he got his, his exchange with uh, Sylvester Stallone's character there was like, We'll never fly yeah. the we'll never fly the banners at your funeral or whatever. But it was like a cleaned up version of it because T'Challa was there. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like not exactly. brothels and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean that we saw. Yeah. That we saw. That was no place for a king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, so we've talked a little bit about Thanos being completely, well, I say completely reformed, but he still always has to throw in at the end. <laughs> anytime he's talking about his argument, it's still very efficient. He's just trying <laughs> to make a case for it so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I love just the position that's puts him in with, with Nebula. Even they still have their adopted father, daughter, not entirely trusting each other, but they come full circle there at the end where she's jokingly calling him, him dad. And, uh, uh, 
but the other part of that is is like in terms of like what if it's obviously one of the biggest changes there and it creates this power vacuum in which the collector gets to gets to step up and he has the black order under his thumb so what did you guys just think about that those aspects of the of the episode getting to see the villainous characters I love seeing the Black Order. Yeah, that was cool. I was a big fan of them in the movies, and I, I feel like we could have seen more of them, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and even then, like, we did get to see a lot in Thanos facing off against, but, like, not only did he know what they were capable of, because he kind of has a lot of, like, man, if the Black Order's watching it, like, I know firsthand what that's like, but then, like, getting to see him, like, face off with them and seeing, like, Warrior Thanos is just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got to see a lot of him in Endgame. Sure. And we got to see more of this. Like, with the gauntlet just isn't a factor. It's just kind of like his hand-to-hand proficiency, like we got to see with this fight against the Hulk. Yeah. It was just really cool to see. The, the Black Order is awesome. I'm glad we got to see more of them. Yeah, yeah. And Carrie Coon returned to voice Proxima Midnight. And I guess uh, Tom uh, Taylor... Vaughn, uh, who does the voice of Ebony Ma, he returned as well. But I'm I'm trying to Tom Vaughn Lawler. Thank you. I knew that was wrong. Like when I said it, just felt wrong. But (laughs) thank you, Tom Vaughn Lawler. Did he have a speaking line? Because I'm I'm thinking maybe that's something that got cut because I don't remember him having any discernible lines. He He just kind of. Oh, does he say something to Karina? Maybe. Oh yeah. no, he he says it to Ch- is it to T'Challa when when T'Challa is escaping and right before when he like force pushes him. Yeah, when he puts the yeah. glass handcuffs on him. <laughs> Ooh, speaking of that, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Oh yeah, that made me yeah. cringe. Even in animation form, it reminds me of like bad saw traps. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that got me. But yeah, I think he had yeah. some some dialogue with Karina as well. Oh, okay, okay. That I like seeing the collector back, but I felt like Benicio del Toro's voice acting was a little over the top agreed thank you agreed i didn't think it was him because he doesn't sound like that and like no he has more gravitas in the films and he was kind of squirrely like i don't know he was goofy it was kind of like where korath was being a little over the top but it worked for what they were doing with that character i i agree with you it didn't work as and again i love this episode and i love the collector and i love seeing him as like a, a big bad bruiser and, and karma being his ultimate undoing but i do agree with you the perf- vocal performance kind of like had me zigging and zagging i didn't know if it was yeah. him and then when i saw the credits at the end i was like oh wow it was him i thought it was just somebody trying to do an impression and not always succeeding <laughs> yeah it was odd yeah i thought that too like i didn't look at the the list until just now uh when you were asking about ebony moss i was like oh god that actually was him um because with with korath like he still got such a weird thing to say. He got his own voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he captured the essence. Yeah. yeah. He was himself, just a funny version of himself. True. Yeah. Benicio del Toro, who I guess is more notable for like being able to embody different roles and whatnot. He wanted to try something different. And I don't think it worked in the strongest sense. Well, it's kind of like, you know, there was a little bit of a fuss about Dave Bautista not being asked according to him to um voice drax and it's like True. voice acting is not just acting acting and if you're not if it's not something you're comfortable with or maybe it's not something you have a lot of experience with maybe you shouldn't do it 
And hot take, I don't think Dave Bautista is that great of a regular actor. So, I, I got love for Dave Bautista, but uh, I will say whoever did his voice in this episode did a very serviceable job. When I heard it, yeah. I, was, I thought it was Dave Bautista, even though I knew it wasn't. So, I liked seeing the collector being real bad. He had like an eight pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like ripped from head to toe. It was super funny. Right. And he had right. like some type of machinery or something in his neck, like on his spine. Yeah. So yeah. sort of, it kind of looked like Nebula's modifications. Yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, they, they said that Nebula and Gamora both had a lot of um, work done to them. I, th- I think he just kind of had the stuff done to himself mm-hmm. to help himself out even more. Okay, yeah. And then on the on the subject of Nebula, she's got, she hasn't had all these modifications done to her, so she's got a full head of blonde hair. The only thing you see is her recognizable little frame around her, her eye, so... Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. No? <laughs> I thought it was fun. <laughs> I'm reading these thoughts about it. She's like, as Star-Lord T'Challa runs into a friendly, now minimally cybernetic nebula who initially comes across as a kind of blue Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking she looked like a, uh, when she shows up okay. with her sparkly dress, she looks like a Barbie from the 50s. <laughs> okay. Don't have okay. hair coiffed like that. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I didn't really make those connections, but. I, I can see it. I was just uncomfortable by the hair. I was like, who is it? Oh, God. I liked it, okay. but it softened her, too. Like, And she was more soft yeah. as a person in oh, this certainly. story. But once she spoke, I just fell in love with Karen Gillan all over again. So. Yeah. yeah. I kind of missed the modification they make to her voice. They make it okay. a little yeah. more robotic in the movies. Sure. Kind of sure. has that, um, I don't know what the right word is, but echoey. A little echoey. Yeah. <laughs> Mo- a little modulated. A little modulated. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Mm, I like that. I kind of yeah. missed that, but it was Karen yeah. Gillan at least. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, and I absolutely love the fact that she refers to T'Challa as Cha Cha. I feel <laughs> like he would not let anyone else so do that cute. but her for some reason. It was adorable. <laughs> we don't. Do he that liked yet, it. Except for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, she gets to do what Nebula does best, and that's just keep you guessing in terms of her allegiances. She gets to be. You kind of made the allusions to the whole Jessica Rabbit. It almost seems kind of like Haley, you and I were talking Bond earlier, but it almost seems like it sets her up like a Bond girl mm-hmm. a little bit because T'Challa, especially in Black Panther, but even here as Star-Lord, he still has some of that 007 vibe, especially when he's like entering the the party scene like that. But anyway, she gets to be a double agent and a triple agent. So I always appreciate when they can keep me guessing and they kept me guessing so many times in this episode. Never knew where I was going. Um, even with the the Maltese Falcon, for lack of a better term, the the item that we were seeking here, <laughs> it wasn't the the Power Stone this time around. It wasn't the orb that played a, a relatively small role. It was this um, Embers of Genesis. Embers of Genesis, which is really cool. We have not seen anything like that in the Marvel Universe yet. And it reminded me of Hellboy 2. Have either of you seen Hellboy 2 The Golden Army? Nope. I'm shaking okay. my head now. All right. Well, I won't go <laughs> I won't go off that uh that off the rails too badly there, but there's basically it's kind of a similar thing. They have a seed that once it starts to grow, it basically becomes a sentient plant life that kind of starts to take over. So, uh it was really nice to see that in in the first Guardians of the Galaxy it was like they were trying to prevent the destruction of the galaxy. This time they're trying to promote the creation of life and the propagation and the saving of a planet. It's like the opposite of dark side terraforming. 
True, true, yeah. But it did have me a little concerned for the inhabitants of nowhere there at the end when they're escaping and we just see the skull like burgeoning out with plant life. What happened to Howard? Howard the duck? Well, Last he's we saw him, he was drinking at the bar, you know. Okay, okay, he just made room for the plant life, the roots, and, and he's stuff. like walking up it with his martini. <laughs> That's obviously Sauntering made with up. absinthe or something. I don't know. It's yeah. so green. <laughs> I just wanted to say for any Naruto fans listening, when that scene happened and all the trees came out, I instantly just yelled Deep Forest Emergence. If you know what that means, please hit me up so I feel validated for saying that out loud. It was really funny. It reminded me of the first okay. Hokage right off the bat. Okay. Okay. One day I'll understand One that day. reference. It's probably somewhere <laughs> in the recesses of my mind. I was going to say that when they first come to nowhere, it looked just like the movie it looked just like the cinematic version of it which i thought was really amazing um i don't know i just wanted to say that out loud i guess (laughs) no i I agree wholeheartedly there were a lot of times where it felt like shot for shot recreations just done in this cel-shaded style but to me it was almost you couldn't almost discern between the animation and the movie version to like that just approaching nowhere i thought was interesting to, it looks seamless to me. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I'm sure if I looked at them side by side, I'd see the differences, but well, that's sure, how it felt sure. watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it does have a very cinematic feel. So that's a, a testament to, um, I, I talked about on the Bad Batch, but one of the things I always appreciate the most about animation is like, you're only limited by your your creativity and your imagination when it comes to camera placement. You can do things with the camera that you, you just can't do live action. So I felt like they did do a bit of that in this episode, primarily with the action. There was not as much action, but the action that was there, I felt had a little bit more of a unique flair. The thing that's sticking out to me about this series, and I, and I think one of the things that works the best for it, is while all of the models are three-dimensional and a lot of the backgrounds have three dimensions, the action, like in episode one of Captain Carter, the explosions are all 2D. And in this episode, I talked about like the white action lines when Thanos is swinging or even Proxima Midnight's staff making the electrical mm-hmm. impact. That is all 2D on a 3D environment. It just does a really cool job of creating this almost kind of like propaganda poster pop art kind of feel. Mm-hmm. I, love it. I only yeah. noticed it because I heard you talk about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> What what else are we leaving on the table here? I feel like we got so many references. Cap Shield in the collector's office was there. We got a and... fourth wall breaking. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very meta. <laughs> Howard the Duck when uh, T'Challa comes up on him, he's on an Eames recliner, and as a big okay. Fraser fan, that chair is very important in Fraser. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, it's like oh. a fourth wall Fraser reference to. Nerds like me who love that show from the nineties. <laughs> well, I like Frasier, but I I don't know if I would if I was if I would have caught that reference. So it was on my second watch to... again. It okay, just made me okay. laugh. <laughs> I just need to have more toss salad and scrambled eggs. But... <laughs> I've been reading people's reactions to this episode, in which they talk about like, do you really think Thanos would have turned just because of a conversation? And like, I don't think it's that far fetched. Um, because yeah. not everything does have to be dealt with violence. And I think 
mm-hmm. um, especially Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like there's so many episodes of just dialogue. And sure. I feel like that's a very important factor that like you just need to understand each other's perspective. It's not like Thanos ever gave up on his plan, but it was more of like, true. All right, let me follow your lead. Prove that your idea worked because he's still set on his plan. And T'Challa has to constantly remind him, like, see, you don't have to do it. You can double the resources, which I thought was really meta too. Because a lot of people, there's even the meme going around with the uh, the invincible scene. Of uh of Tony pushing uh, of Omni Man pushing his son into the mountain, but it's like Tony to Thanos saying like, "What if you just doubled the resources?" Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was kind of funny that they mentioned that in this. Yeah, just because that that it's that whole we talked about it doing Bad Batch. I understand you. That doesn't mean I agree with you, and that's yeah. probably the conversation T'Challa had yeah. with him. Now I understand what you're trying to do, but I don't agree with how you're trying to do right. it. Here's another solution. And I don't think that that's entirely outside of the realm of the Thanos we've been presented to before, because I think back on that scene on Titan, while yes, it was just Dr. Strange that he knew was there initially. He wanted to have a conversation. He was like, Hey, this is where I'm coming from. This is my planet. This is what happened. Like, this is why I believe what I believe. I I think if he could have a conversation with like someone like T'Challa and again, with the character of T'Challa, Matt talked about this on the instant reaction. Chadwick Boseman very much was very generous and giving in his portrayal of the role. He, he took a back seat and let the more colorful characters come to the forefront. But one of the things we know about the character of T'Challa is he is a wonderkin in all regards, science, math, athletics, whatever, whatever he tries his hand at, he is amazing at. So it only makes sense that someone of that intelligence and, and capability put into a debate could potentially convince the the mad titan and on that note i did love the fact that we got that line not crazy mad, mad. <laughs> that was awesome it was god fun. josh brolin did so good he did i, I loved the beats with ludwig Gorenson's music when t'challa's necklace starts to light yes. up oh my god it gave me so many feels I'm, yeah i was and they used it very sparingly, but very intentionally. I was yes. waiting to say it because uh, that was one of the big things that caught my eye was that they they waited for like the prime moment where yes. at the end where he was ready to square off. That's where it kicked in. and I got chills. I was like, oh, my God, like, this is going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like that you you called out uh, Ludwig Gorenson because he's just killing it in, in the Marvel side of things on the Star Wars side of things like he anything he does is yeah. he puts his hands to or tries his hand out he's just incredible we talked about in episode one how the music didn't stand out to us as much and that's not necessarily a bad thing that just means it's being serviceable but with this being again how we we said we expected to kind of get guardians of the galaxy recontextualized one of the most indelible things about the guardians movies is their soundtrack and again i didn't feel like that was necessarily translated into this episode but i'm so glad you bring up those beats about the Wakandan drums coming coming in because they immediately resonated with me even on a first watch. Like I remember being there in the live scener watch and when T'Challa sees the Wakandan ship and that just those Wakandan drums come in. And like I just wanted to immediately it takes me back to the trailer again, the trailer for Black Panther. And that first trailer for Black Panther is one of my favorite trailers ever ever. It's just so cued so well to the music. And whenever you hear those drums, step in the spotlight, woo 
That's all I want. When it's like the warrior changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. good. I love when the horns come mm. in too, that fanfare. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I love in it. the in the wise words of visions, I request elaboration. When you mean that you're not getting much of the soundtrack, do you mean like the actual like music from the tape or like the actual score from Guardians? Because we got to, because I recently watched the movie, there was a good balance of both. And I kind of felt yeah. like the latter was out there. Oh, you think there's a good balance of both? So I know uh, Tyler Bates did the score for Guardians, and I felt like we heard some of his themes. But were there any like pop song references? I Just at the end. Okay. I didn't think so. Yeah. But I feel like I felt like there was enough of the score in there. So did you feel like there was score? Yeah. Or was it just the, the music that you were missing out? Uh, no, I, I would, again, I would say the score did the same thing that episode one with, with Captain Carter did. It was there and it was serviceable okay. and it's, it set up the, the world, but I didn't, I never found myself like, that's just one of the things about the guardians movies. Anytime you have like a scene transition, when you get, when you get to see that scene in nowhere, you're, you're always getting a pop song, like bringing into the proceedings, but not, not a bad thing. It just made me appreciate those Wakandan drums all that much more. Well, and I think we've been talking about how this just put all the expectations on its head and that's mm, one of those true. things like that wouldn't fit to Charles' true, character true. he wouldn't be you know moonwalking to <laughs> yeah. come and get your love by redbone <laughs> he's gonna do his business and help people and move yeah. on yeah that's what that's why i felt like there was a healthy amount of guardians like the guardian score in it and then the black panther score was used when needed and then they just didn't yeah. have any of the soundtrack stuff yeah, like I said, it's it's never a bad thing when it's not noticeable. I, I if you're not noticing the music and it's not like awkward silence, the music is doing what it's supposed to. So yeah, yeah. There is something that tugged my heartstrings when T'Challa gets onto the Wakandan ship and he sees the message from his mm-hmm. father, and one of the lines that T'Chaka says is, "We will search every." last one of them until we find you on this plane or the next and i just in the mcu they gave chadwick boseman so many poignant lines about death Mm -hmm. and life after death and they couldn't know because nobody knew that he was dying um but it just breaks my heart every single time i hear a line like that uttered to him or by him because it's he knew what he, he was knew. going through. It's yeah. So pow- he yeah. knew. And to, to have to say those things and hear those things said to you, like the strength it would take to do that is incredible to me. You just gave me goosebumps. So Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's good. I just think about that all the time, especially in civil war after the bombing and he's talking to black widow mm. and he's having that yeah. whole conversation about, um, what I forget what they call their death in his culture. Yeah, death in his death culture. Death is a jumping off it's point. Like yeah. it's bringing tears to my eyes because yeah. I wouldn't be yeah. able to say that if I knew cancer was going through my body. And I don't know. It's sure. Just, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, his whole thing was about just empowering other people and you know bringing light to the people who feel like that they aren't seen. And I, I that's just. Yeah, I think that just kind of hit like a whole other crowd of people of just the internal struggles, the internal battles, and just kind of being your best self, no matter what could be dragging you down. What could? So I'm kind of tearing up as I'm saying this, um, but yeah, it's just it just added a whole other layer of the people he was trying to speak to. 
Wakanda forever. Chadwick and T'Challa are the best of all yep. of us. Uh, well, I hate to get less serious after such no, a poignant <laughs> moment there, but uh, do it. No, I, I, now, quick. <laughs> I know we were just I know we were just talking about some of the references and whatnot, and uh, we talked about Cap Shield and whatnot. But I think you brought up Mjolnir there as your hair, but then we also got Hella's horns oh, yeah. worn yeah, by awesome. the collector. Yeah, that woman yeah. had style. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is funny because even though in Ragnarok, Hela wasn't walking through the collector's collection. She was walking through the Asgardian, like mm-hmm. uh, vault. the the vaults. Yeah. It still felt like she was going through someone's collection being like, fake. Yeah. This one's no good. And it was kind of funny to like see her headdress be a collectible <laughs> item. And then it actually got destroyed kind of like similarly to the way she destroyed Mjolnir. Mjolnir excuse me. Yeah. I was happy to see that. <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting it. She's a B. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and then she is. he has like um he says, Oh, do you like this about his rock arm? I took it off a terribly chatty crone, and I'm oh, like, You yes. did not, sir, <laughs> take that off of Korg. Hey man, not okay. Oh no. no. <laughs> that made me yeah, sad. Yeah, <laughs> my it took me a second to process that, especially when I saw the rest. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> sad. Yeah. There's only one chatty. Was it? What's the uh Cronin? Cronin? Cronin, yeah, yeah. I always want to say Corbinite, but that's Beta Ray Bill. I believe you. Again. <laughs> yeah. I know who Beta Ray Bill is. It's what if. We can Again, from Earth's Mightiest Heroes. <laughs> ah. I'm yes. sure we'll read about him someday. There's another kind of fourth mm-hmm. wall thing, and it's might might just be me as a Star Wars, but um Nebula says to punch it at the end of the episode when they're flying away, and I was like, mm. Okay. Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to finish yeah, I, like it. I like it. I like it. I also liked when Thanos was fighting the Black Dwarf and he stopped yes. his axe coming down on him. Super Hulk versus Thor in Ragnarok, where he like looks around the the battle oh. axe for a minute and he's like shaking because he's so mad. Yeah, good catch. It's, and it catch. may not even have meant to be that, but that's what I saw. <laughs> It's no, he was he was he was very Hulk like in those. Yeah, and I wouldn't put it past Marvel at all. They're very wink and nod to the camera for those diehard fans like that. <laughs> so good, so good, and I love that Karina gets to live. I love that she gets to live. Yeah. What did they say they were using the Power Stone for? Like, wasn't it actually like to? I don't recall. Nor do I. It was for something like super positive, like oh, we can finally use this to do this, this, and this now. Yeah. Mm. it does make me wonder like you said scotty the embers of genesis were released into the black dwarf and nowhere was kind of being taken over so maybe it's because all of them were used at once instead of just one oh yeah it could be put a couple seeds down his throat (laughs) but i had the same thought i was like what's gonna happen to nowhere yeah (laughs) you know was it um oh crap i'm forgetting the big guy's name well black dwarf coal obsidian they're kind of interchangeable club city yeah uh when they were put in the they put like five of the seeds in his mouth and it just like yeah oh yeah he did yeah she put all of them in there i think oh yeah eat this (laughs) dodge this one thing that kind of it was just like how incompetent the ravagers are was when they picked up t'challa i love that they said like oh all humans look the same 
But they were like, no. oh, we came here to get Ego's kid. Why did you pick this one up? They didn't even go back around to like grab him while they were in no. the area. They're just like, well, we got this kid. He's pretty cool. <laughs> He's really excited. Let's take him. <laughs> and I like that they reminded the audience that Vibranium does come from space. Because they were even like, there's a huge cosmic mm, source true. around him. So we figured that was the reason. It wasn't like they just picked up a random kid. There was mm-hmm. a reason that they went to Chachala specifically. And I was like, ooh, it's a great reminder to everybody that Vibranium actually comes from space. Which is why I feel like... The meteorite. Which is why yeah. I feel like Warrior Thanos' sword could be made from Vibranium. Especially the way it mm-hmm. destroyed the shield. But that could be a conversation for another day. Mm. Yeah. Well, you talk about Thanos' sword. We didn't get to see it in this episode, but not to, I guess, speculate too much, but I don't know what everybody's level of uh, exposure to the promotional material has been, but we do know that we're going to see Gamora with that Thanos yeah. double-edged sword. So makes me wonder, and I, I kind of talked about this on the instant reaction with Matt, with every sub- subsequent episode, are we going to find out that these are actually more connected than we initially thought because the other part of it too is I didn't know that about this at the time of recording, but as much as this is Chadwick's final performance, this episode is not the last that we're going to get to hear from him. He's uh, slated to appear in at least two more episodes, maybe even more than that. So Mm -hmm. I haven't looked into it too much. I noticed Gamora's armor. I didn't pay attention to the swords on top of it. It wouldn't be Marvel if it's not all connected. (laughs) That's right. That's right. How are you guys uh, feeling about Owatu? He's, you know, just kind of there at the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode. And Jeffrey Wright's obviously doing a stand-up job there. I want him to read me bedtime stories. <laughs> okay. From okay. his closet, which is where he <laughs> recorded most of his lines. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I read an article about it. <laughs> oh, okay. I I like that he's just watching right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, he's been—it's been different in each episode so far. He didn't say—he said some of the exact same things, but he didn't right. say all the exact same things, and not in the same um, order, basically. He kind of just opened yeah. with the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Space reality. Mm-hmm. I feel like by the end of the season we could take all of his dialogue and kind of like put it together and it will be like him just continuing off of where he left off last week. I like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're getting more about it. It's like when you get like a box, like Blu-ray or DVD or book set. And when you line all the spines next to each other, you yeah. get like this yeah. picture all together. That'd be cool. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It kind of reiterates what you were saying about like, these are what if scenarios, but what if it's like all in the same timeline? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think this kind of like doubles that like he's actually only sitting in one universe right now and just kind of explaining things as he goes and watching the different planets so we are actually seeing one branch or parallel timeline uh, based off of what we've seen of our heroes instead of like a bunch yeah. of different worlds like these could actually have an Avengers moment or intertwining moment that's that's what I'm thinking I'm wondering if like all these episodes of, of season one of what if are going to like kind of be our phase one of what if and we'll get that final culmination moment and then eventually down the line we'll get the culmination of the the various what ifs i need it if that makes sense let's do it (laughs) what if marvel 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else you need to, to say about episode two of what if, what if T'Challa was a star Lord? I feel like his father is a fixed point in time because his okay. thinking of how Wakanda should still be cut off from the rest of the world is the same. Sure. Which yeah. I just thought was interesting. And we didn't talk a lot about Peter Quill. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're totally, we can't. <laughs> leave that on the table yeah we mentioned it earlier on but I, I thought it was cool how they brought him up as like an after credit thing it's so funny well, <laughs> as laughable a moment it is it is it's got a moment of darkness to it too because like we've been celebrating the impact t'challa's had on this universe the entire episode but you really got to wonder what is a guy like peter quill who's been stuck at a dead end job at a dairy queen. Like, of course the moment that he's given the opportunity for a little bit of power, he's going to run with, it. he's going to make so much weird, <laughs> but he's not going to have any regard for anyone else because he's still an asshole. I imagine. Yeah. And the watcher even mentions, he was like, yeah, things actually get a little bit darker after that, but we'll cover that later. I was like, Oh yeah. Wait, no, tell me now. Tell me now. I'll, I'll, I'll cancel work. Tell me now. So is that, you know, is, Peter Quill joining Ego going to be the big bad, the version of Thanos for this I think so. Season. It could be. It could be. That could be the Avengers funny. level event. It. I'd like to see it. Yeah. Give me more Kurt Russell, and then maybe we can get a Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell performance together. Did he oh, reprise his role? Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Say again? Did Kurt Russell reprise his role? He did. He did. He did. Okay. But it was not so, Chris so, Pratt. Right. Okay. They did a good job sounding like Chris Pratt again. Did Peter Quill say anything? Uh he said we're closed or something. Yeah. Sorry, like we're closed. Short okay. line. Yeah. I I didn't I feel like it was too short of a line for me to determine if it sounded like Chris Pratt or not. <laughs> yeah. Andy Dwyer. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just oh. looking forward to next week's episode already. They're leaving us wanting more. I'm just going to watch this one again. Yeah, yeah. I guess my final thoughts here is just on the subject of Ego and then talking about T'Chaka being a fixed point in time. I, I guess the one character we really didn't highlight on too much was Yondu, and Yondu is very much a, a father figure in these stories as well. Um, and I, I, I guess the main thing with him is that he finds a kinship and uh, in terms of being an explorer with this kid. And he's, I guess... T'Challa has a profound impact on him too. I mean, we saw Peter Quill running away and you made that joke about they never tasted Terran before. So I guess, I guess we did cover Yondu well enough. Yeah. I mean, he does, <laughs> he is softened, but he also was kind of willing to betray him a little bit because yeah. Right. The sequence of events is kind of strange when Nebula comes to get them. True. You got Korath being so excited about him being a triple agent. Yeah. <laughs> like he thinks they're all geniuses. <laughs> you are so cool. <laughs> Classic Star Lord. Yeah, he's basically my best friend if you want to use terms. <laughs> we didn't get any Shuri dialogue. No. No. No, we didn't. no. But we get Okoye. No, but Yondu was very like that's my boy type of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and then when when he meets T'Chaka, it's like, oh yeah, I guess you're his real dad, aren't you? <laughs> Your son's a galactic hero, sir. Aww. And he's he's willing to fully admit to his wrongdoing, but then that's when T'Chaka, or excuse me, T'Challa steps in and be like, he found me, he saved me. 
yeah, eventually brought like me back to water you. under the bridge, being the bigger person. He's happy with how his life went. Yeah. Got to see all these galaxies. Who wouldn't be? And now he could be the Black Panther and Star-Lord. Star Panther. <laughs> That's better than I was going to say. I thought about it. I was like, nope. Bite your tongue there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Prune it from your brain. <laughs> okay. Let's, yeah, let's get back to the sacred time. <laughs> All right. Uh, any any final thoughts here? This has been fun. Such a great episode. What is the next episode? Ooh. Do we know? I think we do. I was hoping y'all wouldn't ask. I was gonna no. like keep my brain blank as long. As oh well. Never yeah, mind. I've kind of we been... don't have to talk about it. Yeah, That's I've kind of been for the listeners. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll find out what it's gonna be for the listeners here. One second. <laughs> I should have it at the ready, but well, I hopefully don't. it's just as unpredictable as this episode was i I have to imagine it it would be kind of disappointing if like they up the ante and then kind of go backwards and we get like another beat for beat movie and again i I feel like i sound like i'm like crapping on that first episode i did love it and i felt like it was the the right choice for a first episode uh let's see episode oh as far as i'm seeing we do not know what episode three is going to be i know there are people out there that have seen episode three early reviewers and whatnot uh but i'm not people out there have seen chung chi and it's really making me nervous like that's true as well scared to be on the internet (laughs) i know Mm -hmm. yeah it's not for another couple weeks people (laughs) get your tickets they're on sale now depending on your location be safe Mm -hmm. yeah well yeah very true do what do what's right for your your family and, and your area but Anywho, I guess uh, I will do what I sh- should have done at the beginning of the episode that I totally forgot to do is here at Animation Deliberation, we started this podcast with a show that is near and dear to our hearts, Young Justice. We've already got our coverage of Young Justice Season 2 and 1 on our feed available for you. And we've actually just started our coverage of Season 3. We've got the first episode of that in the bank. That'll be coming out soon once we get through this what-if coverage. But I want to let everyone know it's October 21st. Set the date on your calendars. We're getting season four of Young Justice on HBO Max, October 21st. Woohoo! It's a great show. Yeah. You guys got me watching it. <laughs> All credit goes You're to Zuhair. <laughs> yeah. Zuhair got me watching it. And I don't know how many other people. <laughs> I'm just happy I have people to talk to about it. <laughs> yeah. You guys also had some other great news this week. Oh, right, right, right. Thank you for bringing that up. We broke the top 10 for animation and manga podcasts in the United States earlier this week. Whoop. So but then awesome. we've actually, we've actually, so we were at number nine when we, made this uh this last check but suhair have you checked the charts since then uh when i posted about it it was 15 i have Um, checked the charts as of today suspense sitting at number four in both the united states and (gasps) great britain that's right both the united states and great britain we are number four that is amazing that is amazing yeah yeah so thank you thank you to all the listeners thank you to the stranded panda network you guys came out in full force and have supported us 
it's it's awesome yeah we're super excited so exciting yeah look at you guys keep up those five star reviews please (laughs) please actually give us any star review (laughs) because i'm an artist i like constructive criticism if there's something that you'd like to see give us three or four but Give Please them a five-star review with constructive criticism. Make it five <laughs> yeah. stars and then tell us your what-if version of the podcast. How it would be improved. And don't say replacing me as host, as host okay? <laughs> Who said that? I'll come after him. <laughs> the show would not function then. <laughs> all right. What you got, sir? Yeah. Do you hear? Uh, to all the people. we You know, we just mentioned all the people who started watching Young Justice because I wouldn't shut up about it. Yeah. Uh, for all the people who have been watching Demon Slayer and have been patiently waiting for me, thank you so much for your patience. Uh, it's just been content overload right now. Uh, now that we've knocked out Masters of the Universe, we've knocked out Bad Batch, we're working on What If, and we're wrapping up on Young Justice fairly soon, so... We do have a season two of Demon Slayer coming up this year, and I definitely want to talk to all of you about season one and Mugen Train before we get into that. Thank you so much for your patience. It will be coming. I'm very excited to talk to you about it. Woohoo! <laughs> and Haley, thank you again for lending us your time as well as your thoughts and your voice. Yeah, this has been so great. Yeah, yeah. Let us know what you have going on. Where can the people find what you're doing? The people can find Brian V. Klein and I talking about comic books on the Source Pages podcast, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. We are getting ready to record next week about Shang-Chi. And if you mm. want to know which comic books we're covering for that um, for that movie, we have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all of those are listed there. But our main purpose is to cover novels and comic books that are used as source materials for upcoming movies and TV shows. So we're very heavily focused on the MC right now. But I know, Scotty, you and BBK are going to talk about Dune right, in the right. fall because that movie's coming out. And I'll be the uh, standby listener asking questions as the person <laughs> who hasn't read the book. That's kind of my yeah. role. Yeah. I'm the newbie. You do a fantastic job at that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're having a lot of fun. We've had. Just like these guys, great support from the network. Super appreciate everybody giving us reviews and five stars. And uh, if you want to email us, we're at sparkpodcast at gmail.com. Spark with a C. And what's the tagline of that show? Never judge a book by its movie? (laughs) Never judge a book by its movie. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'll have to uh, up the ante here because all I've got is keep tuning in. That's (laughs) T-O-O-N-I-N. I can't say it's the most original tagline, but we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Stay wound. All right. We out. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Strandapanda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash spchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. 
Wanderers welcome. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.